0: Welcome to mini episode 145 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have four spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from September the 15th 2021 and story number one comes from Ian. The first house is the one my family bought and I lived in it for seven years. It was a two story house built in the 70s in a nice area. The entrance was in the above ground basement and I often sprinted from the door and up the stairs because the basement made me so uncomfortable. My brother and sister had their rooms down there and they slept with a baseball bat and a hockey stick. For months, neither knew that the other was doing this and they hadn't talked about the deep feeling of unease they both had. I saw a lot of shadow figures and drew them in art class without knowing what they were. My sister's cat was locked in a closet one day when we were all out. It was a sliding pocket door so someone must have closed it. I became really interested in Wicca and made a Ouija board which my brother, my friend and I used to contact a little girl named Hannah. We couldn't gain much information about her in the short time that she talked to us. Then I made a perimeter of salt around my brother's room and burned cleansing incense through the whole house. It didn't make us feel any safer and I felt more afraid than usual as I cleansed the house. Although the cleansing was scary, my experience with the Ouija board wasn't, and I'm not afraid of Ouija boards now either. My roommates and I actually called the second one the murder house. I lived in it for about six months and it was built in the 40s. It was a teardown by the time we moved in, and it looked like something out of a horror film. Within the first couple of weeks, we found a rib bone with fur stuck on it. I think it was from a dog. A crow died for no apparent reason in front of the house a month or two later. There was an attic that the property manager didn't know about and I felt uneasy whenever I had to walk by its entrance. My room was in the basement. The lights were in strange places and there weren't many light switches or windows, so I had to feel around in the dark sometimes. And I had the distinct feeling that something hostile was following me, almost like it was playing a game with me. I had nightmares about it but I never saw it. Sometimes I would sweep and things would come out of nowhere, like a small toy cowboy hat and a class pin from a nearby elementary school. I think there were a lot of people who never left this house. The only time I've ever had sleep paralysis was in this house and my ex only ever slept there once. I woke them when I started sleepwalking. I had my eyes open and I was whispering and giggling as I walked around lighting candles and incense. My ex woke me, blew out the candles and incense and then walked home. They walked for 20 minutes in a snowstorm at 4am. When I moved we found 3 more large rib bones in the front yard within the last 20 minutes or so before I left for good. They seemed to just appear under the fallen leaves. I stupidly brought the class pin I had found when I moved, and dreamed that the hostile presence was in my new home. I took it to a river to do a ritual and left the pin to be washed away. I never dreamed of it again. I lived in a haunted cabin for a year sometime after that. A woman who had never been in the house during our tenancy told us that she used to rent it and that she had seen the ghost of an old man sitting in the chair she had by the fireplace just looking out the window. My ex had recently bought a very old ornate chair that we jokingly called the haunted chair and it was in the same place. My ex moved it and made me swear not to talk about it again because they were scared of ghosts. When we broke up, they told me I had to take the chair. I posted it online for free instead. I listed it as a haunted chair and the description was just look at it, it's definitely haunted. There was a surprising amount of interest because people love free shit the woman who bought it had a sofa that went with it and i wonder if the sofa was haunted too as someone who is chronically online and who loves spooky things i am a sucker for haunted stuff that comes out for sale on like facebook marketplace or etsy or whatever like i love the idea of buying haunted stuff Do I think that it's actually haunted 99.9% of the time? No, of course not. It's good marketing. But if it looks creepy, I want it, you know? Like the little clown doll that I'm currently driving around in my car. He's not meant to be in my car. He's actually meant to be in the studio, but I just keep forgetting to bring him in. Like if you put him up online and said he was a haunted clown doll, I can guarantee you people would, would buy him or people would want to buy him. It's just a cool marketing thing, I think, at the moment to market haunted items for sale and And people buy them and they do YouTube videos and all that kind of stuff. So I love it. And it also sounds like, Ian, you've had some very bad luck with houses in your time. It's interesting that both your siblings had those uneasy feelings and just didn't speak about them for a long time and then realised that they both slept with potential weapons beside their beds just in case. It's interesting when people have those uneasy feelings and they can't quite categorise them or they don't quite know why they're happening, so they just don't talk to people about them. And I get it, because you can't really describe it. You can't really accurately say why you're feeling uneasy, especially when it's just a feeling. I also can guarantee you that at some point your art teacher was like, Oh God, he's drawing those weird, creepy, shadow things again. (laughs) And story number two comes from Nicole. When I was in university in Kingston, Ontario, I lived with four other young women in our final year in a house on campus. The house was part of a fourplex, with a big carriageway in the middle, so it was super old. Two of the girls had lived in the house for a year already, and I moved in along with two others. My room was off the kitchen, my best friend was on the main floor as well near the front door, and the other three were upstairs. As a house with five busy students coming in and out at all different hours between classes and social lives, it was not unlikely to have no idea who was in the house with you or to be alone and not realise it. A few weeks in, I started hearing footsteps on the stairs while watching TV in the living room and would yell hello, assuming it was one of my housemates. But when no one answered, I assumed they had headphones on or were distracted. After it happened a few times, I finally went upstairs to see who it was, and none of my housemates were there. Assuming maybe I heard a neighbour as the houses were connected, I didn't worry too much about it. One night while we were pre-drinking before going to the bar, it got brought up in conversation, and the two of my four housemates that lived in the house the year before said they had heard the same thing many times. And on more than one occasion, they had seen a dark shadow that looked like a man in black clothes standing in the corner of their rooms which creeped them out. But when they told it to go away, it always did. And so they felt it was harmless. The other two told us they had never seen or heard anything, and that we were all clearly nuts. Shortly after this conversation, in the middle of the night, I started hearing footsteps in the kitchen, and then someone would stop at the door Fiddle with the doorknob, but wouldn't come in. I checked a couple of times, thinking it might be a housemate who was known to sleepwalk, but it wasn't her. There was no one there. That freaked me out, and I started to yell at whatever it was every time I heard the doorknob jiggle. Go away, you're not welcome here. Usually that stopped the noise. But every once in a while I got an overwhelming feeling that whatever it was was incredibly sad to the point where I could not help but start crying for no apparent reason. Myself and the two other housemates continued to hear things and see things, but the other two never did, it was strange. I had some friends who were locals, not students, and had lived in Kingston for much of their lives. I told them about what was happening and asked if any of them had ever heard any stories about the house that we lived in. One friend said he would do some research. After a few weeks, as online research wasn't really a thing in the late 90s, he came back and told me that the fourplex used to house priests in training who were enrolled at the theological college, and he'd come across a story in the archives about a student priest who had gotten involved with a university student and that she had gotten pregnant and died after having an unsafe abortion. He, in turn, racked with guilt, had taken his own life in the house. Now, who knows if this was a true story or just a local ghost story? But terrifying as it was, this made a whole lot of sense. As the three of us who did hear and see things were all baptized Catholic, and the two who did not practiced non Christian religions. This also explained the overwhelming feeling of sadness that sometimes accompanied his appearances and the black clothes, which is the clerical uniform of priests and priests in training but one thing kept bothering me. Why would it come into my housemates' rooms, but always stop short of entering mine? Did I have some magical power that kept it away? My friend said that my room was never part of the original house and was built on as an addition sometime in the 70s. So when this had happened, my room didn't exist. So he figured because of that, the ghost couldn't enter my room. We all graduated that year, so left the house and never returned. So have no idea if the new residents had similar encounters. But as it only seemed to haunt the Catholics, my guess is it's hit and miss depending on who lives there. Again, I have no idea if the story my friend found was true, but it sure made a lot of sense. This story has so many emotional layers. So firstly, I mean, footsteps on the stairs, etc, etc. That's, that's pretty, you're pretty standard haunted house stuff. But listen, your housemates saying that they would see a man in black clothes standing in the corner of their room, but they thought he was harmless. I don't care if that ghost did what I told it to do. I would still not be thinking it was harmless. Those are some brave people, for sure. And I know there's always the question of whether or not the story was true, whether or not your friend made it up or whether or not it's just local lore. But there's something, I, I agree, there's something about it that makes perfect sense in the context of what the haunting actually looked like. So I think the bit where the entity wouldn't come into your room makes perfect sense because your room was new. And if the entity was retracing its own footsteps in the house that it lived in when it was alive, then it wouldn't go into your room. So that kind of makes sense in the context of what you experienced also the story about the priest having a sexual relationship with a girl she got pregnant having an unsafe abortion and passing away like women having unsafe abortions and dying happens all too regularly even still to this day and it must have come with a level of grief and shame and guilt and feelings of responsibility for that man and not only has this Horrific thing happened, which would be horrific whether or not you were training to be a priest. But then there's the added emotional turmoil of the fact that sex before marriage was seen as a sin. Sex when you were a priest is not allowed. The entire act of abortion would have been considered sinful. And then to even consider taking their own life would also, at the time, have been considered Sinful. So there are layers upon layers of sadness and trauma and turmoil and feelings of guilt and shame that, I mean, if it is true, it's awful, but these stories were not unheard of. And story number three comes from Amy. I'm a vet nurse and we often get animals brought into the vets and signed over to us. They usually end up coming home with one of us and then becoming part of the family. Two years ago, I had just bought my first home. I had been moved in for less than a week when a tiny kitten got brought into one of our branches. She was a few weeks old and had very little chance of surviving. However, the little fighter got stronger each week until she was able to come home with one of us nurses. Luckily for me, I got to take her home. She was my little shadow and followed me everywhere. Once she was big enough to jump onto my bed herself, I would often come home to hear her jump off the bed and run down the stairs to greet me. One day I would had a particularly shitty day at work and I had gone to the gym with a couple of friends afterwards to try and forget about it. When I got home, I heard her jump off the bed like she usually does and run down the stairs. I was so sure of it being her that I dropped my gym bag so that I would have a spare hand to give her a fuss but she never came around the corner off the bottom step. It was then that I remembered that she couldn't possibly be there, as unfortunately earlier that day I'd had to make the decision to have her put to sleep. I put it down to my mind playing tricks on me, because it had become routine to be greeted by her every day. However, this continued for a good few weeks after I had lost her. The sound of her jumping down was so distinct that for a second I would always forget she wasn't there. It then stopped being so frequent and only started being on days where we'd had an upsetting case at work or it had been a hard day. I've since moved out of that house and relocated, so I don't hear her anymore. Whether it was my mind playing tricks on me, or it actually was her, I don't know. But I do know that it sounded as real as if she was still there. My second story involves me and my sister, and neither of us have an explanation for what we saw. I should start by saying that I don't particularly believe in aliens, but I do believe in UFOs, but maybe not the alien spaceship type. We were driving through a small town near home. I can't remember where we were going, but it can't have been anywhere important. I was driving. It was the middle of the day, and the weather was dry but slightly cloudy. It was a one-way street with two and three-story buildings on either side of the road so the only view you really had was what was in front of you. We've driven down this street so many times as children and adults, and it is just a regular street. Now it might be a good time to say that me and my sister are also slightly obsessed with planes, particularly the show Air Crash Investigation. Directly in front of us, a plane, and I'm using that term because it's the only logical explanation, flew by quickly. The only way I could describe it was like a dark grey Boeing 747 in terms of size and shape. It was only in my line of vision for a short amount of time due to the buildings, so I instantly thought I had imagined it. But straight away my sister shouted, Oh my God, that plane's going to crash. We lived nowhere near an airport, so it wasn't a plane coming in to land. By the time we got to the end of the street, it was nowhere in sight, And the end of the street was less than 10 seconds of driving away but we were certain that in any minute we were going to hear sirens and it would be all over the radio we drove up a small road that takes you to the top of the town with a really good viewpoint for miles we thought at the very least we could phone the emergency services and tell them which direction the smoke was coming from but when we got to the top of the town there was nothing no plume of smoke no sign of an air crash And no sirens. It was like nothing had happened. In the coming weeks, we listened out on local radio for chatter about the passenger plane flying so low and quick over the town. We even put on the local news to see if anything had been reported, and no one else that we spoke to had seen or heard anything. I cannot explain what we saw. I've thought, could it be the military flying over doing test flights? But the plane was too big. Could it have been a plane that had gotten into trouble? If it was, we should still have been able to see it at the end of the street, and surely that would have made the news. Whatever it was, it appears that only me and her saw it, and neither of us have ever seen it again. My final short story once again involves me and my sister. Growing up, we were particularly close to my grandma and granddad on my mum's side. Both my mum and dad had jobs with long hours, so we had a lot of sleepovers with my grandparents. They would take us and pick us up from school, give us our tea and then get us ready for bed just in time for mum or dad to pick us up. When I was 8 years old my granddad had a stroke. He was in hospital for a few weeks, but luckily it didn't leave him too unwell. We often went to visit him, where he'd have skittles out of the vending machine for us and pick out our favourite colours. It wasn't particularly upsetting for neither me or my sister as we were probably too young to understand fully. After being in hospital for a few weeks we got the news that he was waiting on discharge papers and that he could come home. Both my mum and auntie were going to pick him up that night. I'm not sure what time it was but I distinctly remember it being dark and it being our bedtime. There had been a few emergencies in the hospital throughout the day that had delayed his discharge but mum had set off and was on her way. My dad put me and my sister to bed, and we were excited as we were having the following day off school so we could go and see him. I don't know how much time had passed, but the landing light was on, and grandad crept into my room. Mum had brought him home as a surprise. He said goodnight and then left, but I was too excited to stay in bed so I got up. As I was coming out of my bedroom, my sister, who was six at the time, was coming out of her room granddad had also been into her to say goodnight and she was too excited to go back to sleep so together we went downstairs as we could hear the adults still talking but when we got to the living room granddad wasn't in there and everyone was crying confused we asked mom where granddad had gone she sat us down and explained that on the way to the hospital they'd had a phone call granddad had suffered a heart attack and unfortunately died Neither me or my sister could understand this as 10 minutes ago he was upstairs saying goodnight to us. Maybe you could explain it away by saying me and my sister have thought up this lovely story over the years to comfort ourselves but my mum distinctly remembers us coming downstairs and looking for him that night. This was 21 years ago now and both me and my sister were still adamant that he was there that night. A few years after his death my mum saw him She shouted him over, but as she shouted him, she remembered he was no longer with us. I don't know the ins and outs of Mum's story as it really shook her up, and she won't really speak about it. Mum's mind could have been playing tricks on her due to grief, I suppose, as it does make our minds do strange things. But she is certain he was there. Either way, it's comforting to think that he came to say goodbye to us, even if it was his spirit. So I like to use TikTok. And if you don't use tiktok just to explain very briefly your algorithm tracks what you like and what you watch on tiktok so your feed becomes full of posts that are all about similar things so as you can imagine my feed is just full of kittens it's full of kittens tiny kittens kittens being rescued kittens that have no hope of survival and then they miraculously do survive kittens that have been rescued and don't survive and honestly I spend most of my day crying over kittens and apparently the TikTok algorithm has leaked over into the real life ghost stories, listener stories algorithm. Because I could not cope with that first story about the kitten being rescued. And you know what? It's so sad that kitten had to be put to sleep. However, the life that that kitten did have for that period of time, I can imagine was amazing. And we always get stories about pets coming back to say goodbye. So... Maybe it is. Maybe you should take comfort in the fact that 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 pet in the afterlife was still coming to greet you every single day when you came home from work. What you and your sister saw was an aeroplane. I don't know how else to finish that story. I don't know where to go with it. I don't know what to say about it because I don't like it. It was was an aeroplane or some sort of military thing. It definitely wasn't anything more sinister than that and it wasn't a UFO, okay? At least not in the alien spaceship sense. You know, maybe it was a UFO in terms of you guys didn't know what it was. So that makes it an unidentified flying object by nature. But in the alien sense, that's that's a no from me. And the final story, while being incredibly sad for all of your family, I would also be taking comfort in the fact that he came to say goodnight, that he came to say goodbye to you. I just think it's wild that both you and your sister scuttled out of your bedrooms because you were so excited to see your granddad because he had come in to say goodbye to both of you. And it is wild that all those years later, your mom is like, no, no, I do remember you coming downstairs and looking for your granddad and not being able to understand what had happened. What a beautiful story. And story number four comes from Lindsay. When I was 11 or 12, my family moved from St. Louis, Missouri to Davenport, Iowa, because my father had trouble finding work as he had been fired from most of the major railroad companies in Missouri and could only find work in another state. We only spent a year here and moved back to St. Louis, so it was a brief time. I could tell you the story of how my parents had me watch signs and children of the corn before moving to a state filled with cornfields. But those nightmares are for another time. Back in Missouri, we had left all of our family and friends behind. A couple that had a daughter around our age lived across the street from us in St. Louis. The wife helped care for us from when I was six months old until I was twelve. It was a home away from home, even though it was across the street in our tiny little suburb. When we lived in Iowa, we would visit from time to time and stayed with our friends. To provide some backstory that is important to the encounter, our neighbor's wife was superstitious and was against us using her Ouija board as we were children and couldn't comprehend what we were dealing with. She was afraid that we would summon a demon into her home. She believed in the afterlife but was more interested in demons and ghosts rather than thoughts of ascending into heaven. While we visited, we stayed in their partially finished basement. They had plenty of couches and spare mattresses for my sister, my mother and my father to sleep on. I would always be stuck on the white leather couch because it stuck to you every time you moved and my sister refused to sleep on it. One specific time that we stayed over, our neighbor's daughter, who was a few years older than us, took out the Ouija board and dared us to use it. We initially refused, but seeing as though I was the rebellious one, I was very curious. Our parents were outside drinking and swimming, paying no mind to us, so we cautiously used the Ouija board with our neighbour's daughter, her cousin, my sister and myself. We weren't sure what we were doing, and we certainly weren't aware that we must move the planchette to goodbye when we were finished. Nothing scary happened when we asked the normal questions like, who are you, is anyone there, and even we welcome you. It just seemed boring, just a plastic board on the soft carpet unmoving. Even though the others claimed the planchette moved, I didn't believe it. We continued all of the normal games, like light as a feather, stiff as a board, and I swore that game worked. We played games we made up, hide and seek in the dark, where the seeker had a thin blanket over their body where you could see through, but they must growl like a zombie and they grabbed you and ate you when they found you. I think this is where my very real fear of zombies comes from. Eventually, it was time for bed. We settled in the dark basement and before I knew it, everyone was asleep. I suffer from sleep disorders related to ADHD and usually didn't fall asleep until around 2am. I must have dozed off because sometime later I woke to a small chime. My neighbour's wife kept an extremely heavy wind chime in the basement as decoration. And when I say heavy, I mean the ones that had the chimes made of a rough stone with a massive wooden centre that hits the chimes. It was almost like it was made not to move. I believe it was around 3.30am when this happened, according to my father. At first I enjoyed the tune, a soft cling of the wood against the stone chimes. It seemed like the wind barely touched it. Next we heard a loud crash of the wind chimes hitting one another. My father jolted up and turned the light on to see that the wind chime was settling. Before you say it was a strong wind or the air conditioning, the windows were closed with the curtains over them. The air conditioning was off during the summer months and no one had run into it. We talked about it over breakfast asking if they had ghosts in their home. The wife had a smirk on her face like she was long awaiting this question. She exclaimed, yes, there was in fact a ghost in the home. Being a young child, I gasped and freaked out for the rest of the stay there. We tried explaining away that movement of the heavy wind chime, but no one could. We choked it up as a ghost, and I hoped it wasn't from the Ouija board. I've always been terrified of the dark, ever since I could remember. I've been panic-inducing afraid of the dark. Even as I write this at the age of 27, with my own home and a boyfriend and a dog to protect me, I refuse to go into a room that isn't lit up. At first, I was afraid of them, and every now and then, they would startle me. I wasn't sure what they were when I was really little. I just knew there was something or someone hiding in the shadows. I've never been able to see clearly, not even as a baby. Everything was a blur and my teacher and my parents didn't realize I needed glasses until I was in kindergarten. My eyesight continues to decline, and in a few years I will have to have surgery on them. When I take off my glasses for bed, it seems like the darkness closes in on me from every corner. I can make out blobs in the room and I have to remind myself, sometimes out loud, that one blob is a dresser, the other is a nightstand, that one is my dog, and so on. Eventually, this calms me down enough to attempt to sleep. In the previous story, I mentioned I have sleep disorders relating to ADHD, and it has continued well into adulthood. Most nights, I think I see something in the dark. After my eyes adjust, I'll look at our open bedroom door and see that something is there. Just a darker portion of the room. But I usually try and explain it away for fear that it might hurt me. I don't feel dread or fear, just curiosity. When I see them, it's fleeting. I'll turn sharply and see one standing in the hall or the door. A black humanoid blob just there. No eyes, no smoky atmosphere, almost like a shadow, but darker and with blurred edges. It always scares me, and I jump every time. My brain tells me to say it was a shadow, but I think otherwise. It has only happened at my mother's house. It became progressively more common after my sister had moved out. My father left my mother and even more so after we found out that my mother had stage 3 colon cancer. She is now in remission and is doing wonderfully. It just seemed with each stressor I would see them more. They would stay in place a half a second longer and as soon as I could focus on it, it would disappear. It seemed more afraid of me seeing it than I was of it. When I visit my mother, I don't see them as often as I used to, but I do see them almost lurking in the back of my old bedroom, as if missing my presence in the room. You could write this up as stress-induced, bad eyesight or just actual shadows, but I believe they were there checking up to see if everything was alright, especially with the few difficult years. I always find the outdoors to be less scary than the indoors and I promise this is going somewhere. So when I'm watching like a horror film or whatever I always think that if I was in that situation I'd literally run straight out of the house outside. I don't know why I feel like outside is just safer there's more space I don't know. The last time I was at home in Ireland I was walking from my grandmother's house to my mum's house uh, late at night and it was really dark and it is in the country and it's literally. Not even a minute walk, I would I would imagine. But my aunt has loads of wind chimes. And it was really dark and windy. All these wind chimes were twinkling, making noise. And then there were flagpoles making noise. And let me tell you, when I got home, I said to my mum, those wind chimes take on a totally different tone at night time. It was the freakiest thing. I was walking home and I was really unnerved. By the wind, the darkness, the sound of the wind chimes, the sound of the flagpoles, It uh, just really freaked me out. So if I heard wind chimes in the middle of the night, I'm pretty sure I'd be freaking out as well. I would, I would be thinking it was, it was definitely something untoward going on for sure. And you do get those big, heavy wind chimes that are they only move in like the stiffest of breezes. Do you know what I mean? They're not flimsy or easily moved. So that is freaky. And it's interesting that you talk about these shadow figures as like guardians, because we often get stories about shadow figures. I mean, mostly get stories about shadow figures being quite negative things, quite negative entities. So I, I find it really, I actually find it quite nice to think that actually it's just something that's checking in on you and making sure that you're okay, especially going through a difficult time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Ian, Nicole, Amy, and Lindsay for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from September the 15th, 2021. And if you would like to check out anything about Real Life Ghost Stories, you can do so by checking out the website Podcast.com. If you are desperate for more content, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for $5 a month you get an extra episode weekly and for $2 a month you get access to a back catalogue of bad movie reviews. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time.